Let me read this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Caiaphas and then to the Twelve, and after that He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. He goes on to say, and then to me, one who is prematurely born. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I read that today because we need to encounter this resurrected Jesus. But I read it to make a stand and to say we believe that this is true. (laughs) Not just true, we believe that it is truth. That it is something that is above and beyond our emotions and our feelings, even beyond and above our own intellect and understanding. That it seems so preposterous that there are those who have resurrected from the dead. Although for some, many, it seems like that's easily done. Yet there's something special about this resurrection. There's something different about what this resurrection is. And, and so we begin this sermon by saying this is truth that we are called and pursued in steadfast love by a risen savior bodily physically and that he encountered people that's the reason why paul puts that in this letter he says look go and ask them they're still alive they'll tell you that this is true So that should mean there's power, and it does. I like movies, and one of my favorite movies that follows through a a very um, useful tool that a lot of movies, it seems, have been taking advantage of recently is the one where someone is stuck in a particular day, and they just can't seem to get out of it. There's lots that are actually being made and have been made recently about someone who's stuck in a particular day and they need to figure out how to get out of that day. And that day just keeps playing over and over again. My favorite is Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. And because you watch Bill Murray trying to figure out what I'm going to do on this day. And at first he sort of is bizarrely, weirdly sort of taken back by it. And then he becomes... Nihilistic. He he becomes the point where it's like, I might as well just figure out every way to get rid of myself because I'm just going to come back the next morning. And then he thinks, oh, maybe I'll better myself. And then it turns into a sappy rom-com love story. Friday, Jesus dies. Sunday, Jesus rises. But somehow, many of us feel stuck in Saturday. 
You know, that Saturday, that place where the disciples, the apostles are up in the room and they're frightened for their lives. They're trying to figure out what their aspirations and their expectations were and how wrong they must have been. That, that Saturday where they're cowered in fear, wondering when the Roman soldiers are going to come and get them. That, that Saturday when all hope has been lost, when the one that they thought was the Messiah, the anointed one, wasn't doing what they expected him to do. That he was in a grave, that he had died, that there was nothing left to do. Can you imagine the conversations that they had? We just waste three years of our lives. I had a thriving fishing business and now it's gone. I was a tax collector. I could have been. And then Sunday comes and the resurrection. A year ago, I did an Easter sermon with nobody sitting out there. Nobody told me how painful for many of you this year would be. When I preached the Resurrection Sunday service last year to nobody in this room, I, I really believe that there is a, a power that comes from the resurrection that is transforming in our lives. But this year I've been stuck in Saturday. This year it's, it seemed as if I just can't quite get to the, to the sunrise. Mary Magdalene sees him, and he says, peace to you. And he appears to the disciples, and he says, peace to you. But, but John tells us that there's one of the disciples who's not there the first time. He gets stuck in Saturday a little bit longer. Many of you here have suffered loss upon loss this year. Many of you here and, and who are listening, uh, maybe on Facebook, you, you have seen jobs change. You've seen lives wrecked. You've seen brokenness invade. You have been undone over and over and over again. And like Thomas, you're stuck in Saturday, waiting to experience the power of this resurrected Jesus. Rachel Held Evans, who sadly died at 37, wrote a book called Searching for Sunday. And in that book, when she is talking about her faith in Christianity and following Jesus, she says this, it's just death and resurrection over and over again, day after day. As God reaches down into our deepest graves and with the same power that he raised Jesus from the dead, rest us away from our pride, our apathy, our fear, our prejudice, our anger, our hurt, and our despair. How amazing. But then she says this. Most days, 
I don't know what's harder for me to believe. That God reanimated the brain functions of a man three days dead or that God can bring back to life all the beautiful things we have killed. Both seem pretty unlikely to me. When she wrote that, she was stuck in Saturday. Stuck in that in-between of knowing something happened on Good Friday. There, there, there's this miraculous miracle of the steadfast, loving God who pursues us relentlessly, who then self-sacrifices to bring us into whole relationship with Himself. And then there's Sunday that's, that's coming. But I'm stuck. Because when I open my eyes in the morning, I'm reminded of those who are hurting. I'm reminded of those who are broken. I'm reminded of those who are in despair. I'm reminded that there are those who are testing and being tested. And so Thomas is stuck in Saturday waiting. John 19, or John 20 tells us his story. It says, now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails, and place my fingers into the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was there. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he looked at Thomas. Put your finger here and see my hand. Put your hand and put, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. For those of us who are stuck in Saturday, for those of us who are, our lives seem to be this perpetual treadmill of walking in the pain and brokenness of the world where we want to believe, we know that it's true that, that God came to rescue us, yet we don't see the power of what that rescue is doing yet. For those of us who are there, we're just like Thomas and we walk in and we say, I've got to see this or I've got to have this happen or when this takes place, then I'll fully believe that this is empowered. And how does Jesus come to us then while we're still stuck in Saturday? The first thing he says is peace. There's a recognition there that they're still in despair, that even those 12, even those 11, even those 10 <laughs> who had seen him, who had already witnessed him, they were still in, can this be true? Can this be real? But here is Thomas waiting. And Jesus says, peace. Despair can be vanquished. Longing can be held. Peace to you. Not just some nice greeting of how you going, but you are in chaos. And I am coming to bring peace to you. 
And then he looks at Thomas directly. And so for those of us who are stuck in Saturday, recognize that Jesus sees you in that place for who you are, how he made you. And in his deep, steadfast, abiding love, he looks at you and says, I have what you need. He gently says to Thomas, test and see. Test and see. So that you can move from disbelief to belief. He comes to us and says the same. When we are stuck in Saturday in the midst of our desperation, the midst of our hurting and our lack of hope, he says, test me (laughs) and see. Throw your cares, throw your lot in with me. Call out, I will answer. Thomas, when he hears that, he doesn't reach out. He doesn't put his hands. At least that's not what John tells us that he does. It it says that he just says, my Lord and my God. Oh, how I wish he would have reached out. (laughs) How, How I wish he would have gone, all right, let me slip my hand in there. Because it would have seemed more human, right? It would have seemed the desperation was there. But catch this, Jesus looks at him. And he says, you have believed because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Oh, many of us long to say, if you would just show up in this form, in this fashion, if I could just see you working in this particular way, and yet we are so confused by our own despair that our desires to see Jesus get messed up. You see, Thomas thought, I need to touch. He said, I'll never believe until I touch. But what happened? When he sees Jesus, he doesn't touch. Even though Jesus gives him the gentle invitation to do it, he believes. When we're stuck in Saturday, one of the reasons why that happens is because our expectations of the way our life should be going are not going the way we think they should be going. And Jesus says, peace, rest in me. But like Rachel Held Evans, we can go, I don't know that that can be believed. That's the reason why 1 Corinthians is important to us. Because he says, this is the truth. That Christ died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And there is power upon power in that resurrection to break us free from our Saturday and move us into Sunday. My house, the way the plumbing works, is it has to have a pump that gets the water from the main line into my house. And so what happens is, you will go, depending on what level of my house you're on, and you will turn on the faucet. And the water will begin to come out. 
of the faucet. But as it's coming out of the faucet, you'll notice that it slowly begins to trickle until the pump kicks on. And when the pump kicks on, it becomes a gusher. <laughs> now on our house, in my very highest faucet, I will turn on that faucet to do some cleaning and the water will come and it will trickle and then it will stop. And I'll wait. And then I'll hear it. That's the pump. And all of a sudden from that faucet, water comes. Christ today in his resurrection has turned on the pump of his Holy Spirit to wash over you. Yet some of us are waiting for it to hit. Here's what's interesting. The first time that Jesus showed up, when it was just those 10 disciples there, it's just above this passage in chapter 20. It says, Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. We cannot move from Saturday to Sunday on our own. We need Holy Spirit to move us to that place of grabbing hold of the enormity of the resurrection. And we need each other as a body to speak the truth of the power of the resurrection to one another. So when we slip back into Saturday, let us shout out and proclaim to one another. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Let me pray. Jesus, you are risen. You are risen indeed. Let us hold fast to only the hope that you can give. In your name we pray. Amen. This is the Heidelberg Catechism, question 45. This is a way that people from uh, years and years and years have learned about their faith. So in the bold is what we will say together, but I ask this question. How does Christ's resurrection, resurrection benefit us? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death so that he could make us share in the righteousness which he had, we had retained to us by his death. Second, by His power, we too are raised up to a new life. Third, 
Christ's resurrection is to us a sure pledge of our glorious resurrection. Amen. Now let's sing. darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a realm of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost. To redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus for our sake you died.
You may be seated. We now come to a time where we participate in the Lord's Supper, this table that the Father has given to us, where we hear Him calling to us in His relentless, steadfast love to bring us into whole relationship with Himself, with ourselves, with all others in the place that we live. That it is in Christ's death and in His resurrection that we've been empowered to do that. And so if you are here today and you don't believe that, we just ask that you hold off taking this meal because in taking it, you are proclaiming this to be true. But if it is something that you believe, even if you are stuck in Saturday, take it today. Feast on it. Take as much as you need for He is plenty for all of us. On the night that Christ was betrayed, He took bread and broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. The way we participate in this meal is you'll come forward, you'll grab two cups, one that has bread and one that has juice. Go ahead and take that bread at any time, but hold on to the juice because uh, after we say our communion response, we will take that together. Let me pray for us. Let us receive grace upon grace upon grace in this meal today. Let us proclaim your death and your resurrection. And in proclaiming it, let us believe it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 